Today, we have sat down with Jason Harrell from the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation to discuss operational resilience and cybersecurity. Jason, you are the DTCC's Executive Director and Head of Business and Government Cybersecurity Partnerships. Can you start with explaining what operational resilience is and why it seems to be rising up on the agenda both on the regulatory and the financial industry side? Oh, absolutely. So, if you look at the Bank of England's definition of operational resilience, they'll tell you it's the ability of a firm to adapt, prevent, and learn from operational disruption. But I like to give it a easier characterization of left of boom, so boom being what happens to cause the operational event, and then right of boom, which is what you're going to do then after something has happened in the environment you need to respond and recover. I say on the left side of boom, that's risk. So what are you doing to manage that risk? Whether it's you know implementation of a cybersecurity program, whether it's implementation of physical security uh, controls, or understanding the financial conditions of your third parties. You do all of these things to try to prevent something from happening. What operational resilience is looking at is when that event happens. So consider everything that you've done that has failed and something has happened how quickly can you recover your operations to either partially offer a service back out to the marketplace or to fully recover from an operational disturbance in a manner that will be least disruptive to the market stability or the impact of uh, the consumers. What are the uh, biggest operational risks that the financial industry faces? I would say that we are really facing three big risks to our resiliency. The first is the geopolitical risks. The second is the risk that we have from new technologies, uh, in particular big tech and fintech, and the proliferation of the use of third parties within the financial services sector. On the geopolitical risks, we have a lot of uh, political changes, whether it is in policy, domestic or foreign, and that leads to sanctions, it could be civil unrest. But what we're seeing is that nation states have decided that they are going to participate in this arena. The development of cyber weapons that can be used against other nation states as a response to these changes in the political shift. And so you have a nation state with a various amounts and increased funding and much more funding than you'll have to private organization. And then they bring those weapons to bear on the private sector and the financial services sector as well as other sectors can be extremely impacted by that. The second around new technology and and big tech and fintech is what big tech and fintech firms are doing is amazing. They are decoupling the financial products that are currently being offered so that they are made available to either individuals that have been excluded from the marketplace or for underrepresented economies within the globe. This leads to billions of individuals being added to the financial marketplace, which increases liquidity, increases financial inclusion, and all these have been areas where the sector as a whole has been very supportive of. 
The challenge that we're having with these new entrants is that the current regulatory framework may not be adequate to manage the risks that are being introduced by these, these entities, as well as firms trying to take the new technology and integrate it with the old technology in a way that they can provide services out to the market while limiting the amount of vulnerabilities they're also introducing into the market. And then third, with the proliferation of third parties, the challenge we have there is that a number of critical operations are being farmed out to third parties who may sit outside the regulatory perimeter. And it also increases the surface area of attack that can be used against the sector in order to cause a material disruption in the marketplace. So I think those are the three that are probably the biggest impactors. And how do you address these risks? I think that there's a number of things that we're doing to address the risks. I think the first is public-private partnerships. The sector working together with the supervisors and regulators that oversee them, the standard-setting bodies and government agencies, getting together and really understanding more about how the sector is put together and coming up with collective solutions to these issues, working to establish principle-based rules and understanding the rules that we already have in place in order to manage risks. I think a a good example of a public-private partnership is something that we're doing currently in the U.S., but we're working with now other standard-setting bodies and supervisors to expand and that's the financial services profile, which has taken the rules and rule interpretations, guidance and questionnaires, and several supervisory documents and mapped them into a common framework. In this case, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, which is a standard setting body in the U.S., so that the rules that are being promulgated map into a framework that's commonly used across the sector, and then they develop diagnostic statements so that firms can demonstrate their compliance with the rules. What that helps to do is provide a way for firms and market utilities to demonstrate their compliance to the rules to several different regulators and allows the operators to have their hands on the keyboard working to protect the sector, which is what we want in the first place. I think the second thing we need to do, and I think is hugely important and probably something that isn't getting talked about enough, and that is we need a third-party resilience framework. The reason for this goes back to what I was saying earlier around the proliferation of third parties doing critical services. So you take, for example, DTCC, where a market utility that provides clearing and settlement services within the U.S. We have numerous participants that are financial institutions. If the rules require that the firms do oversight of the market utilities. You can have hundreds of firms coming to the market utilities asking them for evidence of their risk management and resilience frameworks. It increases the overhead that the market utilities will have to the point where it could be a huge operational burden which gets passed down to the firms, which gets passed down to the consumer. If you have a framework to institute across the third parties who provide services to financial services sector, it gives the sector a way to have some level of assurance that the firms that they're using for these third party services have the right controls in place and have the ability to resume their operations in case of a disruption.
So I think that a lot of work needs to be done here. I think that is something that firms and supervisors need to take a look at. And then the third thing I would say is around threat and intelligence sharing. I, I think not only between the firms, but between the firms and the government agent and intelligence agencies. And the reason for that really is because firms, whether they say you either hang together or you hang apart, so what we need to be able to do as firms is have enough trust to be able to share information to provide greater coverage. So if something's happening at one firm, other firms will know what is going on and can institute or put in place safeguards to prevent that from being a widespread issue. But more importantly, the partnership with the government intelligence agencies, I think, is crucial because if nation states are increasingly coming into this space, developing cyber weapons to use against the private sector, then the only way that you can have a chance of stemming some of these these activities is getting the intelligence in a form that's actionable by the, the private sector. And that's going to require the private sector providing the information to the, the agencies, but it's also going to require the agencies to understand the infrastructure in the private sector. So, again, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this space. We're talking about cross-jurisdictional issues that can occur, like how do you share intelligence from the U.S., back out to the UK or from the UK to France, what infrastructure needs to be in place to make that efficient and effective. Just going back to what you mentioned about a framework for third parties, Yes. how would you ideally like to see that structured? So I think the structure would be twofold. I talked about the first part about having a certification framework and again we had to figure out where you know, who would be responsible for instituting that and then going into the different third parties. But I think that those are things that can be decided between the sector and the, the supervisors. I think the second area that needs to be added on top of that is around the oversight of critical third party service providers. As an individual firms, you don't have enough visibility to see when a particular service provider becomes systemic meaning that how many services can a third party provide to the financial services sector before an outage at that third party provider would cause a market impact, a significant market impact. So as a prudential regulator, you need to be able to see that as well. I think the the EBA and their outsourcing guidelines started down that path by requiring firms to put their third-party providers into a register, and I think that's due by December 31st of 2021. But by doing that, it'll give the supervisor the visibility across the firms, which individual firms will not have, and then they can come up with the criteria of when a service provider rises to the level of a systemic provider and then start making a means to conduct oversight and supervisory of, of that uh, third party. So I think combination certification and regulatory oversight, that again will require us to talk through because what happens if you have a service provider and then four nation states, so let's say Netherlands, Belgium, UK, and US all say, well, you've reached to the level of critical service provider who will then have the oversight. So so there's some things to work through and think through to, to flush out that idea. 
but I think that that is probably where we need to end up. Is new technology outpacing the industry's ability to address some of these risks associated with the new tech and with the entry of new industry participants? So I'll say that the speed of technology provides amazing benefits, not only in finance, but in agriculture, in medical, in healthcare, transportation. So I don't think that we want to see a decrease in the new technology. It helps increase the innovation that we see within the marketplace. What I will say is that firms are looking to find those new technology solutions that will help promote the sustainability of the markets and provide the most uh, benefits to the consumer and doing so in a way that's minimizing the vulnerabilities that they introduce. So identifying those things that are the biggest bang and then slowly integrating them into the environment. There are a number of new technologies that we're looking at right now. You have AI, you have machine learning, you have blockchain. Mm -hmm. And I believe that all of those new technologies provide a way of simplifying the actual environment, which I think will go a long ways in advancing the operational resilience. Because when things are more complicated, it's very much harder to ensure resilience than when they get simplified. So I wouldn't say that we're necessarily outpacing. I think we just need to be prudent in how we apply new technology to financial services. And can you also talk a little bit about the role the regulator plays? Ah, so I, I think they play several roles. Number one, I would say, is in balanced regulation. I think that even for the most self-aware and self-disciplined organization, you need to have regulation in place. What I will say is that we have to be careful about over-regulating and having too much regulation. I think the Financial Stability Board did a report in 2017 that spoke to the proliferation of new regulatory texts within cybersecurity, which in a way is good because the, the supervisors are understanding the importance that cybersecurity plays in protecting the uh, integrity of the markets and the safety and soundness of firms and limiting the consumer harm, but the overregulation could lead to a uh, compliance checkbox exercises and a decrease in that self-discipline. So I think that supervisors need to work together with the sector to make sure that we have a, a balance there. I think the second thing that the supervisors need to really pay attention to is on the fragmentation, market fragmentation that new rules can cause or when rules aren't applied consistently across. So as I stated earlier, you have fintech firms and big tech firms that are decoupling the financial services sector. They're offering payment solutions, lending solutions, cryptocurrencies, all of these which are penetrating uh, the marketplace. Where if a financial institution was providing some of those same services, there would be certain rules that would be in place to ensure that the right protections are in place for consumers. So the current regulatory framework is really entity-based. You're a financial institution, you're providing a certain service out to the marketplace, these are the rules that you need to adhere to, 
uh, and this is the supervision you're going to be subject to. Since it's not based on the actual activity, then when the decoupling of these services occurs, then some of the big tech firms and fintech firms which are doing the same activities aren't supervised in the same manner that a financial institution is, which creates an uneven playing field. So I guess what I would really like to see is if you're doing the same activity with the same risks, then you should be subject to the same rules and the same oversight. Not only does that create a level playing field across the financial services sector, but it also ensures that a consumer who is choosing a solution from a technology firm as opposed to a bank is offered the same protections that they would get by using that bank. But we also, as a sector, are evenly managing the risks that we have said we cared about. So if we have the same risks, then the same oversight should apply so that we make sure we maintain the integrity of the marketplace. I think the only other thing that I would like to mention is some of the activities that are ongoing right now for, for resilience because I think that a number of the supervisors and regulators have taken great strides in this area. So for example, the Financial Stability Board is working to put out a cyber incident response and recovery toolkit so that'll help raise the floor for firms by giving them the tools that they need to ensure that they can adequately respond and recover from cyber attacks. They're looking to release that by the end of this year. You have the, the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision who are looking at coming out with operational resilience principles. So I think they're looking to distribute something in second quarter. So that'll go a long way again in coming up with some principle-based rules that, that firms can use to apply to their organizations. So I think that a lot of work has been done to really start looking at the risk that we may be incurring in this new financial services market. But they're all exciting. And as part of my role, being able to partner with these organizations and the firms and government agencies it is something that I feel not only helps us at DTCC, but it also provides help across the sector. And it's an exciting place to be. Mm -hmm.